You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to Sprott Money News. It is the first Friday of September, Friday, September the 2nd, right before a three-day holiday weekend here in the U.S. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up, and joining us this morning is Eric Sprott. Eric, good Friday to you. Hey, Greg, very uh, very good to be here. Uh, we have a good start to the day, so let's see if we can uh, hold it together. Uh, things have been weak for about a month now, but I think we've probably seen the bottom. So uh, let's see how far we can rip here. The big news this morning is the jobs report. You know, we spoke last Friday after uh, Janet Yellen released her speech, and gold and silver were going up like crazy. Then, of course, they ran out. Uh, uh, I guess Vice Chairman Fisher would be his official title. And then he talked everything back down, but yet looks like we're doing okay now this morning with the FOMC now two weeks away. Any thoughts on the potential for a rate hike in September? Well, I've never believed there would be a rate hike. And even when you read uh, Yellen's comments, I mean, it was so wide open. And, and the whole, you know, suggestion from the Fed that the models might not work and, and that the range of possibilities was huge and we're all data dependent and... And then you get data points like the jobs, which were weak, and perhaps even worse was the uh, hourly wage gain, which was, I think, only 0.1. I don't don't know if I saw the hours worked. Um, But it was a weak report. We had weak auto sales. We had weak consumer comfort. We had weak Chicago PMI. I mean, everything is kind of weak, and uh, two of the biggest underlying trends, the cost of health care is not going away. Uh, and of course, I have this uh, other bugaboo about pensions, which we might talk about. But uh, I mean, there's lots of macroeconomic things that suggest it it just can't get better. Well, let's go to that pension uh, that pension idea because you were quick to point out when we spoke last week that you'd read Janet Yellen's speech, and buried in there was all this talk about how many trillions of QA they stand prepared to add to the market at the next crisis. Well. All these pension liabilities out there are certainly one of the potential next crises. Sure. And it's interesting. Like The, the one decision I was going to refer to is when uh, the Illinois pension changed their assumption from 7.5 to 7. And it's almost impossible to get 7, by the way. Yeah. And the governor was upset because it meant he'd have to pay an extra $421 bucks into the pension plan. And seven is nowhere. I mean, what happens when they get down to reality of like three or four? How much money is this? The state can have to pump into their pensions. And the fact is, it's massively underfunded already. The assumptions too high, and it's not just Illinois. I mean, it's everybody. And we've got trillions upon trillions of dollars of unfunded pension fund liabilities. And it's just something that that won't go away. And Social Security, too. I mean, Social Security is underfunded by, I don't know, $50 trillion, some number like that. And, uh, you know, I think we're just, we're whistling past the graveyard here. I mean, it's so bad. And every year we get closer to that time when it bites. And it's starting to bite now in the sense that we had a union, um, the, I think it's called the Central Workers Union that had 400,000 members where they had to cut the pensions in half. So it's starting to bite here, and that's, that's, that's just a, a negative thing that's going to keep uh, chipping away at this very, very modest growth rate that we have in the economy already, which, you know, is well under 2%. So between health care, possible pension shortfalls, those are the big macros that are, I think, coming onto the playing field. 
you know, we talk about the U.S. economy all the time because of how it impacts the dollar, and obviously the dollar impacts everything, but your Canadian economy is a real stinker too, isn't it? Yeah, it was kind of sucking a little bit of wind there. We had a very bad GDP report. Uh, most of the reports in the world are weak. I mean, we even had comments out of China how they're scaling back, you know, their estimates. It used to be 7.5% GDP growth. Of course, it used to be 10, now it's 7.5, and going lower, right? And so all the world economies are slowing at the same time here, and this is with zero interest rates. My God, you know, there's nothing left. There's no tools left. I mean, well, fine, maybe they can just print money, but if they're just going to print money and helicopter this stuff out, obviously they will be uh, demeaning their currencies and we can get right back to what we've been saying for years and years and years that of course precious metals are the world's uh, reserve currency and uh, to stay the course to that end you and i both know physical demand is what's going to finally break this paper game and interesting story this week uh, out of germany about safe sales going through the roof as people are uh, in Germany, trying to hoard cash while they can, you know, they're trying to eliminate cash worldwide so that you can't do that. What would somebody hoard if they if they can't hoard cash in their safe? What would be the next thing somebody might hoard in their safe? Well, the interesting thing is that you might hoard the cash, and then the government might say, "Well, we don't want anyone to use cash," you know, and maybe they'll get rid of the hundred. Well, they already got rid of the hundred euro note, didn't they? Uh, um, the five hundred euro note. I oh, think. Oh, sorry, the five hundred. Yeah. Next, it'll be the hundred euro note. Exactly. We'll get rid of the hundred dollar bill, and if yep. you have your hundred dollar bills, you have to hand them in, and maybe they won't give you the twenties back. Uh, you got to put it in an electronic an account. Yep. So having cash per se may not work if 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 cash is kind of outlawed in a way, and obviously leading to your your question is you got to have gold and and silver. Uh, in that safe, and uh, of course, that's something that I've been uh, recommending and doing, quite frankly, for a long, long time now. I think I bought my first gold back in 2000, right near the bottom, uh, and I've never, I've never sold any of it. Uh, and it's obviously it's done very well for me, and I'm sure will continue to do well going forward here. So I think that you will see data come out of. Uh, those European countries that are experiencing uh, negative interest rates where people will for sure be buying lots of gold and silver. Yeah, it sure looks that way. Another interesting story out of Germany this week uh, that I'd love to get your thoughts on is this idea that there's been kind of a hint of a delivery failure. It's being portrayed that way at least. There's a, I guess we'll call it an ETF, just to kind of put it in uh, North American terms, that is redeemable for physical gold through Deutsche Bank. And there's some stories that... Somebody walked into a branch, it sounds like, and wanted some gold. I mean, do you have any? Can you clarify what you think is going on there? Sure. Well, I think it might just be a branch situation. That's my guess. Okay. I mean, I even had the experience in Canada where one of the main five banks, I'm in their head office, and I want to use some gold to pledge it for a loan, and they say, "Well, we can't take delivery gold. We don't. We don't have the storage facility." Okay. This is a major Canadian bank. Um, and so I can see where a branch, you know, somewhere outside of the main um, cities in, in Germany might say, well, we don't have the facilities to handle that kind of shipment. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I'd, I'd love to find out that Deutsche Bank was failing on delivery, but I'm not going to draw that conclusion just yet. I want to see this, uh, see the whole thing play out. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from there. Uh, turning to the miners, Eric, we've, we've kind of had this discussion a couple weeks in a row. After the huge run, what some of these uh, mining indices up 180, 190% year to date, we've given back 
which I guess is not altogether uncommon in a big bull market to have a 20% correction. I would imagine you look, you look at it the same way. How do you feel about the mining shares in general here in uh, late summer? Well, of course, I'm not one of those guys who ever expects a correction, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I just think the underlying reasons to be involved in uh, gold are, are just overwhelming every day. And I'm always shocked when somebody arranges to have them sell off. You know, I'm not that surprised. You know, when it's options expiring and things like that, you can see what, what the game is out there and the tyranny of the financial markets. Um, but in ter- if you want to ask me in terms of, you know, technicals, well, yeah, I guess it's mm-hmm. a standard correction. Uh, it looks like we've uh, hit a bottom here uh, on the UE. I think the relative strength index has got below 30, which is normally a buy point. Um, I think the the economic data is supporting uh, the uh, metals rising here. And, of course, we see that when the metals rise, of course, the stocks always are way more levered than than the precious metals price. So I, I think the the selling has been overdone here. Uh, I've been a buyer. Uh, I, I think there's things that maybe you can trade if something's a little more oversold than something else, and uh, maybe there's something you could do in the market. But uh, I, I just believe in, in the precious metal stock, so I would be a buyer here. Eric, just one last question is before we wrap up, uh, and I guess it's got a little bit of a personal nature, but there was a story out yesterday that a rather notorious short seller had written a, a lengthy, I guess we'll call it a research report, uh, going after Keith Newmeyer and his company, uh, First Majestic Silver, and also, I guess, First Mining Finance, too. Uh, I know that you've known Keith for a while. I just wanted to see if, if you had any thoughts or anything you could add about your a relationship with him and sure. and uh, and and maybe vouch for his character and his company sure. as we go. Sure. Well, you know, I've been involved with First Majestic. I'm sure I bought it back in 2000 when I first got interested in precious uh, metal stocks. It's been been a great stock. Uh, I was uh, one of the uh, early investors in uh, First Mining Finance, uh, investing at a time when it didn't seem appropriate to invest because, of course, all the gold stocks were getting killed. Uh, I think what Keith has done at First Majestic has been very impressive. I mean, he just sticks to the script. Silver, Mexico, opportunities come along, he seizes them. Uh, he's done very well in um, in uh, First Mining Finance because he was buying things at the perfect time, the bottom of the market in 2015. Uh, so uh, those things ultimately are going to pay huge dividends. But I think the most impressive thing about Keith um, is that he's a real great spokesperson for the precious metals industry. He calls a spade a spade. I wish there were more CEOs in the mining business that would speak up like Keith. I think he tells it like it is. He reads it as he should read it. And um, he's been quite the uh, outspoken person in terms of, you know, what he thinks is going on in the market. So from time to time, he won't sell silver because he thinks, you know, that, that these raids are just orchestrated and it's going to come back. And and I think that we need people like that to speak out, people in the industry to speak out, who are who should be the closest to it, uh, and and just tell it like it is. So I, I have a wonderful admiration for uh, for Keith for sure. He's been uh, he's been a great CEO for quite a few years now. I would imagine you feel as I do that his the degree to which he is outspoken about uh, price manipulation. He's about the only CEO that I know of that does it. Uh, is all part of what makes him a target. 
probably. And I, I have—I must admit, I haven't read the report, so I can't comment on that. But I know I certainly stand behind Keith one hundred percent. Well, my friend, it's going to be an interesting September. Uh, traders return and really start manning their desks next week once we uh, turn the corner and get past the Labor Day here in the U.S. And, of course, we are still building toward that FOMC that comes up uh, two weeks from next week on the 20th and the 21st. I look forward to getting your thoughts again next Friday. But for now, I think I'm just going to bid you a, a nice, fun, relaxing three-day weekend. Yeah, all the best to you, too. Should be fun. And uh, I, I almost missed uh, things not being open on Monday because I find it so exciting. But <laughs> we'll take the holiday and uh, look forward to seeing you next Friday. All right. Thank you, Eric. And from all of us okay, here at Sprott Money News, have a great holiday weekend, and we look forward to talking to you next week. 